Hello and welcome back. This is once again the deputy of MovieDeputy.com bringing to you the movie recaps from November 12th, 2021. There were some really spectacular movies this week and I'm just so excited to tell you about them. I'm also going to be telling you about something else that I think is kind of special, kind of mid-program here, that I think you might find a little bit eccentric, but also kind of fun. It's something that I've always done, and it's something that I'm hoping that you'll want to participate in. Today, we're going to be recapping three movies. We're going to be recapping The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. I had previously said Louis Wayne, but in the movie, they pronounce it as Louis, so that's what I'm going to go with. The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne came out on the 5th, but I just got around to seeing it this week. I also watched and reviewed Belfast and Clifford the Big Red Dog. We're going to jump right in with The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. This movie far exceeded any expectations that I had coming into it. It is truly the story of Louis Wayne and his life. He grew up in a home with his five sisters. All that time, he would do odd jobs, including illustrations of animals, to help earn money. When a local publication, also the largest newspaper in London at the time, decided to hire Louis as one of their illustrators, it was an opportunity that was too good to pass. But considering Louis's eccentricities, he actually did pass on it to begin with. It was only after learning about his sister's hiring a governess for his younger siblings that he decided to take this position a little bit more seriously. Little did he know that this governess would become much more than a governess to the children as she would eventually become his bride. Emily is actually the one that helped Louis fall in love with cats. Now, Louis Wayne had the ability to see something peculiar. He could actually sense electricity, or he thought he could. Electricity was in everything, and he thought that by understanding it that he could understand the world better. He saw it in everything. He felt it in everything. And it was all about understanding that and helping people see the beauty that lies within that. His mind was a dark, screaming hurricane of crippling anxieties and recurring nightmares the electricity and his love for Emily are all that brought him peace. He said, electricity is what pushes us through the time. He truly believed that electricity is what made the world go around. Maybe not in a literal sense, but you know what I mean. Along the way, he would come to learn about some mental illnesses within his family, and he would struggle with these as well. In modern terms, we would maybe call it being on the spectrum. And whether or not this was just a character or whether or not Benedict Cumberbatch, the actor that plays Louis Wayne, is actually on the spectrum, I am not going to hasten a guess at that. But either way, it was such an accurate portrayal of somebody dealing with those difficulties that you can't help but feel it as this movie is told. And you feel it as the story progresses and you feel feel the angst and you feel the pain and you feel the fear and it just draws you into it in a way that I just can't really even explain. After the tragic loss of his wife, Louis went down an entirely different path with his work and even though his sisters tried to help him by pointing out that he could run away from his family but he couldn't run away from the grief, 
it didn't really help to recenter him. And that's another thing that maybe points me to the idea that maybe he was on the spectrum. If you're curious about why I talk about the spectrum the way I do, it is because I, myself, I'm close to people on the spectrum. If you or someone you love is on the spectrum, this is the type of movie that might help you understand it a little bit better. It wasn't the madness that is portrayed in this movie, but this is at a time that people didn't understand what that was. As Louis began to express himself in what I would call a kaleidoscope of Mandela's. I kind of described his work as Mandela paintings of cats in the upcoming movies podcast that I had discussed, but actually seeing how his work progressed, it was more of if you put Mandela's into a kaleidoscope and then spun it around and had all of those Mandela's having to do with cats and the artwork or the visions that you see from all of those mixed together, that is what you get with Louis Wayne. And that is what you understand of his way of expressing what the things are that brought him the most joy. In this case, it was cats in both the literal and the not so literal sense in that. Now, being a cat mom, I may be a little bit biased towards a movie such as this, but even if you're not a big cat fan, the story has a draw to it that will just grab a hold of you, and it's one that you're going to be talking about long after it's done. I am so glad that Amazon took the risk with this film, and the way that they portrayed it could not have been better. Though there are a few goofs in the film itself, continuity errors as I would call them, unless you are looking for them, they're really difficult to find. There are a few factual errors as well, but again, unless you're looking for them specifically, they're incredibly difficult to find. You're probably curious with the way I've been talking about this movie, what I gave it on the deputy scale. Well, on the deputy scale, I actually gave this movie an 8.25 out of 10. If you go to moviedeputy.com and you select the scores of 8.25 and higher, you'll see that there's not too many movies that have gotten scores in that range. This is one that I will watch and rewatch over and over again, and I cannot wait to share it with friends and family, and I hope that you feel the same. The thing I was talking about earlier that I was wondering if any of my listeners would want to participate in is something that I'm doing called Keys, Please. I know that name sounds a little unusual. If you're curious, I do have a Facebook page under that same name. What I'm doing is I am taking in one entire wall and possibly more, depending on how many I get, in my theater, as I'm a movie critic, I actually have a home theater. And what I'm doing is I'm actually gluing the keys to the wall as a permanent fixture in the theater. Now, as you can imagine, in order to do this, it takes a lot of keys to make something like that happen. I probably have close to 10,000 keys that I've already received in donations from all over the world. The thing is, this project is easily going to take well over 20,000 keys, just based off the measurements that we've done. So, if you have some old keys laying around a junk drawer that you don't know what they go to, or if you have some out in the garage, and if you're thinking about throwing them away, and if you would please consider donating them to our project. 
I am putting my P.O. Box information in the description on this podcast. I really look forward to seeing any keys that you might have, old, new, anything in between. I have automotive keys, house keys, old diary keys, padlock keys, any type of key that you can think of. I probably have some already and I'm detail sorting them and it's going to be spectacular when it's complete. I have been accepting donations from literally all over the world. If you would like your keys to have a well-loved, well-used home where they will be loved and cherished for years to come, this is going to be a long-lasting installation of these keys. It's not going to be a temporary wall or anything of those sorts. And I'm going to be sharing a lot of pictures along the way. Actually, just earlier today, I posted a live of kind of what my process is of sorting the keys on our Facebook page earlier. So again, if you'd like to check it out, please do. And if you have some keys that you'd like to donate, the mailing address is keys, please, care of movie deputy, P.O. Box 84471, Lincoln, Nebraska, 68501. Now let's get back to my number one passion, which is movies with Clifford the Big Red Dog. This is one of those movies that tugs at your heartstrings and takes you on a trip down memory lane that you didn't even know that you wanted until you're watching it. Growing up with Clifford the Big Red Dog, the Scholastic Book series, the PBS cartoon that my son grew up with, and the stories that I shared with him. I mean, these stories go back literally generations, and they are so loved and so cherished for so many. Seeing it brought to the big screen in a live-action format with Emily Elizabeth and kind of all of the chaos and antics that, you know, come along with Clifford in literally a magical way. In this story, how it's brought to us, an eccentric, kind of like a carnival operator, has these animals that he helped find their forever homes. And when Emily Elizabeth finds Clifford, he is just this itty-bitty, teeny little puppy, and he's just adorable. The only thing is, is he's bright red. Well, that doesn't stop Emily Elizabeth, even though she's not supposed to have a dog. She convinces her uncle to let her take him home just for the night. And as you can imagine, it ended up being much longer than that because this gentleman tells her when she asks how big Clifford will get, he said, well, that depends on how much you love him. Well, as we know from experience, how big Clifford really gets. So when she wakes up the next morning to this behemoth of a puppy in her bedroom, she's more than a little bit freaked out. She must find a way to try to take care of Clifford. And in doing so, a genetics laboratory gets wind of this big dog going around New York City. Now you'd think in New York City, a dog of this size might almost blend in with some of the eccentricities that you'd expect to find there. But no, not Clifford. <laughs> it is just, it is a fun-loving fest that just is a true adventure from beginning to end of trying to find and do what's best for Clifford, even if it's not always the easiest decision. And in the end, what ends up being best for Clifford is right in front of them, only they just don't know it yet. Now, as this story is told, I'm not sure why it almost feels a little bit like, like the Disney Inspector Gadget movie from the 90s. Now, if you ever saw that and then you saw this, I mean, the two movies couldn't be further apart. 
in similarities, but there's just something about the feel of this that is what it reminded me of. Now, that doesn't mean that this story has any ties to what that movie was in any sense of the word, but like I said, there is just something about the way that it feels almost reminds me of that. But in a weird way, it's like I said, it's kind of hard to explain. Clifford is the big red dog that is taking over New York. And even if you aren't familiar with this story, Clifford is the big red dog that will take over your heart. On the movie deputy scale, I did give it a 6.5 out of 10. The biggest thing that I could not get past in this movie was the proportions on Clifford. It is impossible to ignore the fact that his proportions are so off. His head is so small compared to his body throughout the film. And it's something that as much as I was trying to pay attention to the story, it was a distraction. Otherwise, the score likely would have been quite a bit higher. The story itself is so heartwarming on so many levels to so many people. It is truly entertaining for all ages that actually addresses some real-world issues in a way that is friendly for children. Preserving the innocence that we know of the Clifford stories and adding in maybe a little bit more to widen its audience base in such a way that he feels real, even if only on the big screen. The third movie that we saw this week was Belfast. It looked like an innocent tale about Buddy from Belfast and how it was such a beloved time in a neighborhood where everybody knew everybody and everybody looked out for everybody. Just the most ideal tight-knit community that was obviously dealing with something because it didn't go into a lot of detail in the trailer about what that something was. The conflict that this story deals with is between the Protestant and Catholic communities in Belfast. That's kind of what the turf war of sorts is about. Now, in saying that, it's not a particularly religious movie, but since the story does deal with the very much of the religious tone of the two different groups of people, I did also mark this as a religious movie on Movie Deputy. Typically, I only do that if the movie focuses on religion as a big part of the story, and kind of in a roundabout way this one does. Buddy, his sister, and his parents live in Belfast. His dad travels for work. And his grandparents stay and help his mom with as much as they can, along with other neighbors in the community in itself. When the Catholics decide that they don't want the Protestants in their area anymore, it literally becomes a turf war. What was once considered safe is no longer so. This creates a heart-wrenching decision for this family on whether or not they can remain there or whether or not they'll have to leave. And it's dealt with a lot from Buddy's perspective. It's not like first person where you're looking through Buddy's eyes, but the whole story kind of focuses around Buddy for the movie. Now you see him at school and you'll see him going around to friends' houses and to the store, hanging out, talking to his grandpa, which he loves to do. They have a very special relationship. One of the sayings that his father always says to him is, if you can't be good, be careful. And so that sticks with him is so even if he gets in mischief, that he's always careful when doing so. And as Irish Protestants that they were, another line in the movie that kind of fits it as well, it says, the Irish were born for leaving, otherwise the rest of the world wouldn't have no pubs. That may seem like an odd quote of sorts. When we think of Irish, we tend to think of St. Patrick's Day, green beer, all of that kind of thing. But again, that has nothing to do with this movie. It's just 
something that just kind of touches on the fact of why so many people left Belfast, or at least why it's thought of why they left Belfast. This family and many of the other families in the area, they truly thought of Belfast as Shangri-La, in that they couldn't imagine ever living anywhere else until they were at a point where they really had no other choice. And in doing so, they would have to leave some treasured loved ones behind. Another quote from the movie is that I'm going nowhere where you won't find me. And that is such a poignant phrase. That is such a phrase that just, whether you're missing somebody that's still here or whether they've passed, that is such a powerful statement. And to say it with a loving heart and to say it with conviction, there's just something to that. And in this story, they have nothing against the Catholics, even the ones that want them out of there. The Protestants are convinced that Catholicism is nothing but a religion of fear. Now, for those of my Catholic listeners, I'm sure you would disagree with that comment, but again, it is just a movie. For reference, I am neither a Protestant nor a Catholic. If you were curious if I had any particular leanings as to one direction or the other on this movie. The one thing to take away from this movie is truly be careful what you wish for, because it's never as simple as it sounds. It's always complicated, even when it's not. Now, on the deputy scale for Belfast, I did give this movie a 7 out of 10. It's presented so beautifully in the way it's done. I can't necessarily say it's heartwarming, but it's heart-wrenching. It takes you right into it on a level that you might not expect, and it keeps you there all the way through this. They don't over-Hollywoodize this, which I so appreciate that it felt believable beginning to end. I can't say that this would be a movie for everyone, but for those that take a chance on this and connect with the story, this could easily become a favorite. I just hope that this information makes that decision a little bit easier for you. Well, that wraps up our movie recaps for this week. I am really looking forward to next week's recap as we are going to be covering Ghostbusters Afterlife next week. And considering the original Ghostbusters is my favorite movie of all time, yes, that is a question that I get asked quite often. Hey, what's your favorite movie? And I will forever answer Ghostbusters, the original. <laughs> I actually saw it in the theater, and it, it is just one of those movies that I can watch over and over and over again and never get tired of. Let me know what your favorite movies are on social media. Be sure to use the hashtag MovieDeputy so that I can find you. I hope that this helps you decide if any or all of these are for you. If you are enjoying Movie Deputy content, please make sure to like and subscribe. And as always, please share with anyone that you think might also enjoy this information. And we'll look forward to talking to you soon.